Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Look, and I, I know there's no basketball, no, no UC basketball games this weekend, but Holy Grail, still the place to check out the action. They'll have bucket specials every day until I believe six o'clock. Get down there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, take in the first round and second round and enjoy your time at the Holy Grail. Dave, I got a. So they they we went. Do you for, get a beer a beer for every player on the roster right now, in your bucket? <laughs> I think you get more. Or do you get right? one more? You get one more. I think. Huh. <laughs> um, so we were down there for, uh, the the ECU game, and I ordered a small barbecue chicken pizza. I love barbecue chicken pizza, by the way. And they brought me out the large instead so they made a mistake in the you oven you sent it back i assume right no i kept it but i could barely eat a piece there was a piece of chicken that looked like almost a whole chicken breast <laughs> on this barbecue chicken pizza i ate two pieces and literally felt like i was going to absolutely explode so it, it delicious my wife did the Reuben wontons as always but uh, get down to the grail and make sure you check out college basketball, get you a bucket of beer, get some food, and uh, have a good time at the Holy Grail Banks. All right, spring football, let's go. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Why else would I be on here? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, what that's, that's what you told me I was coming on for. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. That's not what we're talking about? We are going to talk a lot of spring football. Yes. <laughs> I kid. But, you know, there are a few other things to, to, to gloss over before we get to... Uh, gloss over, right. <laughs> to, before we get to spring football. <laughs> I'm sure that's uh, what everybody's tuning in for us to just gloss over. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, the basketball saga continues. Um. We are down to David DeJulius, Micah Adams-Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, and Victor Lockett on the UC roster right now. There is uh, expecting to be some good news on Friday morning. The, uh, the, the BCJ signal has been put out, so we will see on that tomorrow. But, uh, I don't I mean... Everybody knows kind of where I stand on this. I'll, I'll expand on things in a little bit. Is there, is there anything on your mind that you want to discuss on the college basketball program at the University of Cincinnati? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. There is a lot of things that I would like to say, most of which I won't, because I don't want any of that to be a problem for you and our site moving forward. <laughs> Um, it's un the whole thing is unfortunate on the grandest of scales. I guess the thing that I am most, you know, if we're, before we get into like the true nuts and bolts of like the program itself, the thing that I'm most disappointed in is the amount of people that don't have any idea what actually happened. And I'm one of them. Like, I don't know. We just hear what 
you tell us. We hear what Justin Williams from The Athletic reported, but none of us were there. None of us, you know. And the like going at these kids to me is, I just don't understand it. Um, you know, where there's people blaming the transfer portal and the and the one year rule, and and like saying, well, if it was you know if you had to sit out a year, you wouldn't transfer. You'd tough it out. And my reaction is kind of like, oh, so it's like if we had to keep holding you hostage for another year, then eventually your, your will will just give in and you will stay. Like, why is it, why in college sports are we hell bent on not allowing people to do whatever they want for whatever reason it, but yet in every other walk of life, whether it's a relationship with a spouse, whether it's a job, if you don't like something for whatever reason, you can end it. So I don't understand why. Well, I mean, just to, 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 to refute that a little bit, that's, that's not the way it works in pro sports. I mean, you sign a contract. You cannot play. And you, if, don't, you don't get your money. Okay. Well, these guys aren't getting money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just don't get like the, okay, if the, if they, if they couldn't leave, then they would grow up or something and change their mind. Like we all get to a point at some point in our lives, I would assume most of us were like, it's not this like revelation experience. It's like a, a an, an, a, a just up to, you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be around this person anymore. I don't want to work in this job anymore. I don't want to live in this neighborhood. It doesn't matter what it is. So I just don't get why that's the, the angle that we're taking, like they're soft. They, if they had to stay, they would toughen up. Or are there some things that probably happened that I would go, really? That's it. Probably. But then are there other things where I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, if I was that kid, I'd be like, and that happened. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want you playing for that guy either. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. I just don't like that. Like a kid wants to leave and it's just automatically like from some, well, he's just soft and that's this generation. And, and like, who are you to say, who are you to say whether it's a good reason for someone else to want to get out of a relationship that they don't want to be in anymore? Yeah. I mean, I think you're hearing that from former athletes because that's what they lived, right? Like, I think the reality is, and, and this is kind of, this get, we'll get into eventually like where I come down on all of this. Everybody wants to transfer after their freshman year. Not, I mean, but you know what I mean? Like right. freshman, it's a huge, fresh, huge, it's a huge adjustment. adjustment. Yeah. Everybody at some point, their freshman year, whether you play sports or not, thinks ah, this sucks. Like oh, I, no. my, my freshman year at UT, <laughs> you I was, didn't go not, to, look, you didn't do I was not looking to go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't playing school though. No, I wasn't. You're right about that. <laughs> um, so that's their perspective when they talk on it, right? Like when, when you hear a Terry Nelson or a Tony Pike or a Kevin Johnson or, or James White, like, well, James White was ironic because he transferred, he transferred his freshman, his freshman year. Um, but like, I, I, to an extent, I understand their perspective because they lived that right. They lived, I, I imagine Tony Pike's freshman year was hell. 
football wise first five years yeah like what he expected but that's probably that's the perspective they're coming from okay and i totally get that i guess my side of it is knowing that (coughs) i still don't understand why you know if someone wants to leave then i don't get the whole like trying to make them not be able to or or denigrate denigrate them for not wanting to stay like right like that's why i said like we don't know exactly what happened but i would imagine if i asked one of those guys if i told you that this is what's going to happen to your son by this coach would you tell him to just deal with it but we don't know the the problem is we don't know what that is an example like I'm just making up if this X, not saying John did this, I'm just using it as if this happened, if this was said, or if this happened, would you just tell him to stick it out? Or would you depending on what it was? Yes. Sure. But, but they're making it sound like irregardless, like you just didn't like, yeah, you just fight through. Um, here's, here's kind of where I've come down on it all. The age of player empowerment is here. Like, you either adjust to it or, or you get left behind. Like, right. there, there, there's no, there's no. Um, this is how it used to be, or this is like it's back my in, way or the back highway. In my day. Right. Like, those days are gone. Like, it, it is one hundred percent now. And, and I've heard this for a couple of years from college coaches that, that you have to be recruiting your roster every day, every day, you have to be recruiting your roster to make sure they're happy, make sure. And, and, and for some people, is that going to sound soft? Probably. Is it probably in some ways a, a little soft? Probably, but guess what? It's reality. Right to me, to me, that's what will define the good coaches versus the not good coaches. Is everybody would rather not have to do that, but can you adapt? Right, and it's not even as much as recruiting your guys every day. It's building these relationships with them that when you do hit a rough patch, or you do come across maybe too harsh that the first reaction isn't, Oh, screw that guy. I'm out of here. Right. The first reaction is, man, I know I'm coach said that, but we're tight and he's just mad and I'm just mad and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to move on. That's, I think that kind of encompasses a little bit more of what I feel as far as like this particular situation is big deal small deal doesn't matter right the the long and short of it is a bunch of guys have left yeah and a bunch of the guys that left were recruited by john he saw them he went out he was not he did not recruit them during covid like he he understands who he was getting now either he took guys that he didn't necessarily want to because he needed to fill a roster. He took guys that he knew maybe weren't the A plus player that he wanted, but he thought maybe he could work with them. Or, or, he, took, or he took guys that he 
totally thought were, and he ran them off. Something, there's some level in there that, that that's happened. It doesn't matter what the reason is, it's happened. So how do you then go from that to rebuilding? Because there's going to be a ton of questions. Like, yeah, we've, we've talked about it. The, my biggest takeaway has nothing to do with basketball. It is that during a global pandemic where it was hard, it's been hard for everybody that him and his assistant coaches were not able to manage and understand their own roster enough to know that this was something that, that was coming. They either didn't see it at all and were blindsided, which I find that hard to believe. Right. They saw it coming and were incapable of salvaging it or they saw it coming and they didn't care. Like, no, I think they saw it coming. I just think at that point in time, like the boat had left the dock. Like, I, I don't know that there was right, a way to bridge the gap by the sure. time they figured it out, which is their fault that's, for not that's figuring cons- it that's out. That's concerning time. to me. Like, no, that's fine. Am I? I I'm not denying oh, what your concern is. I, I'm addressing where I think. Yeah. No, I, I see. Like, I, I, I think they, they didn't properly and i don't like i said in the article i wrote or or in the 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 thing i put on the message board uh yesterday i I think they got so over consumed with losing and trying to to fix it that their focus went away from what was clearly a very important piece and that was the, the player well-being, the, the relationship with the player side of things. Right. And, and you know, that's from, from the best I can tell, a lot of the issues that happened were all before the pause. And by the time they came back from the pause, the ship had sailed. Yeah, right. You, you have a not good season going, right. Then you allow everybody to step away and, in their case, you know, they probably guys can't practice. They they get to to the facility. They get to just breathe though. Like if it's as bad as some of them, maybe you're making it out to be, they're like, man, I just get to take a breath. Like I don't have to be around anybody. I don't have to practice. I don't have to go to to travel for a game. I just get a breath. Right. And then when you come back and you're right back into like, you know, fist to the floor, we got to win basketball games. You're just like, man, I just don't want to do this anymore. Or I don't want to do this anymore with this guy. Yeah. I mean, I understand all that. I guess I think you and I kind of talked about this too, is you kind of then we've kind of gotten to makes me wonder, like we've gotten to, excuse me, not two sides to a story, but if you knew this was a transition year and you had all these young guys, and you're dealing with this pandemic and you're not able to build the relationships that you would be able to build in a normal season. Why from the jump are you so concerned about winning and losing? Cause that's that, who coaches are. Right. But then at the end of the year, you kind of, you kind of then go into this, like, Oh, I'm not concerned with winning and losing. I want to, you know, build 
for the future and you know the final result isn't as big of a deal but you know i just i just feel like there's just the whole thing just is is not it wasn't good so you just like are you then trying to save it at the end by saying like i'm not concerned probably with yeah losing? you know probably I just, yeah i just think from the jump well, but here's the other difference dave at the end you were winning so you're not as like paranoid about the losing that it, that you were <laughs> at know, the but, beginning of the year. No, I agree with that. But like towards the end, <laughs> don't you have to know what's like what's going on like in your program? They're still kids. They talk. They vent. They like are they not like you know the old good cop bad cop? I'll go yell at them in the locker room, and then five minutes later, you know you're gonna go in and tell them how great they are. Like they, a lot of that stuff is is out the window though because of the protocols. Like you can't. Then you hey, have to meet do, me here for lunch. Like then you, you have you to do, then you have to do more. Like, I, I, mean, I agree. I'm just saying what you're oh, talking about is is how things have always been done. And I think some of that got lost in translation with the staff from you know the interpersonal standpoint. Like guys are going through a lot of crap, and you're pushing them to get this thing turned around, pushing them to get this thing turned around. And I'm sure like you talk about it when they're there or whatever the case may be, but then they leave, go back to their dorms or their apartments. You're sitting there watching tape still and, and you don't you don't get to. And I've seen this talked about quite a bit across the country. Like you, you missed out on those like. Dinner at the coach's house or you missed out on just hanging out in the locker room or yeah. the team room like. You, you know, that's to me the sign of a, of a close team is like, are a bunch of guys chilling an hour before practice? Are they always around the facility? Or are they coming in, practicing, and then they're scattering to, to wherever? Well, you couldn't do any of that, so you have no, no idea whether they were close or not. So, I mean, I get all of that. And, and, and look, the staff clearly handled this poorly. Like, that's not any – me talking about what I'm talking about has nothing to do with uh, lessening the fact that the staff clearly didn't handle the relationships with these guys the way that they should have. I'm just trying to dig a little deeper into it and, and give some context as to how something like this happens. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you, know, <laughs> you get, you get caught up in a season and you're not doing good and you're trying to win. And then all of a sudden you're in December and you're in January. You're three, yeah, you're and, three and seven. And before you know it, you're, you know, in the middle of the league play. It goes fast. I can't imagine. I mean, for as terrible as this last year has been, and at moments when it's felt like it's going incredibly slow, I look back and I'm like, it's our, it's been a year. Yeah. Like, so I, I just, you know, the other, I guess the other thing that most people probably look at and go, like it's one thing last year if some guys that Mick had recruited weren't fits or didn't want to be here. That's just that's commonplace. That happens every time there's a coaching change. Yeah. And then the, you're the, always, and then you're trying to cobble a roster together. So you're gonna miss on some guys. Like Jay Sarola. I'm not blaming John or any like you needed a big man. He was a big man. Like you just sometimes you just miss on when you get six or seven guys in the recruiting class, you're gonna miss on some. Like we just know that's the way that. Well, it goes. they they expected Chris Vote to be out, right, due to transfer rules. And if you remember, say what you will about Chris Vote, but he was outstanding the first fifteen games of of last year. Sure. 
And that's why Jace Rolla didn't play. Jace Rolla is like, look, I, I came here to play. I'm taking my car, driving to Chicago, <laughs> selling it, flying back to Spain. Um, I guess not, the, that, that part, that part wasn't normal. The, the thing but that I, yeah, puts I get up some people's saying. antennas yeah. though, is when it's okay. Now these are these guys. Yeah. These are the guys that you've said are the future of the program. These are the guys that you were able to go to AAU events. You were able to go to their parents' houses. You were able to find out as much about them as any other player in the country, and you wanted them to be here. So now when they're leaving, what is what is anyone – how is anyone supposed to view that as, right. oh, this is just the transfer game and not some bigger issue? No, I agree. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I Again, if things are changing, you have to adapt to the change. You, you, you can't throw your hands up and say, well, that, that doesn't work because that's not how I do it. Like players now have the power, especially as in the early stages of this one free transfer. It's not even a thing yet. But well, no, it will be, yeah. I mean, but I'm saying, like, right now, it's not, yeah. like, it's not even a thing. But you think they're going to, the NCAA is going to be able to tell these kids they can't transfer right, play right away? <laughs> like, we got, you know, you're posting pictures of Juwan Briggs. It's not assumed that he can just play. It's not like a rule yet, but we're all just like, oh, yeah, he's playing. Right. You're not going to tell him he can't. I wouldn't tell him anything. Kid no. can do whatever the hell he wants. Exactly. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, but, like, um, okay, so well, moving – I guess moving from here on, because like I said earlier, whether you and I agree, disagree, whether me and Bearcat, you know, 27, 19 agree, disagree. The, the matter of the fact is there's four guys on the roster and it's going to be, in my opinion, it could be hard to add players that we would think can help compete for a league championship because you know, as well as I do, it's not even dirty recruiting. All they got to do is say, this guy's ran off X amount of players in two years. Why, why would you want to go play for him? He's it's, it's a a big challenge, right? Unless you're a a dude that's a transfer that's like, I don't give a crap. I just want to get my shots and, and get my points and try to catch the eye of a, you know, NBA or whatever. Like, if you've got any power five options, I feel like it's a, it's going to be a battle to get, get guys right now. I mean, am I over exaggerating? Is it not going to be as hard because there's so many guys, but all those guys can't play at this level either. That's the thing is like, we talk about, Oh, there's 1500 kids in the portable. Yeah. But there ain't going to be 1500 spots. There ain't, well, there's not going to be 1500 spots and there's not going to be 1500 kids that you would want on this roster. Right. Fair. So how, how, I guess, how do you go about this? Like <laughs> very carefully. <laughs> it ain't like, I, mean, I know we don't have the answer, but I'm just like, you know, I, it ain't going to be easy. I mean, your work's definitely cut out for you. And now there's, you know, and this isn't a, a saying anything negative about Justin, but now there's a whole lot of words on paper that uh, coaches are going to be putting in front of recruits. And that's something as a staff you have to overcome like that. Again, all of this goes like it all goes back to the staff either didn't know or didn't identify or didn't 
um, react enough to what was happening. And they put themselves in a terrible situation because of it. And now you got to dig your way out of that hole. Like, you're still the coach here. Guess what? It, it, It goes back to one of my favorite Mick Cronin lines. Every season, they tie you to the tracks. Every October, they tie you to the tracks, and you got to figure out a way to get untied by by March. Train's coming. Like, train's coming. Yeah. Jobs to win. Yeah. They clearly didn't win enough this year. There clearly was some unrest in the locker room that wasn't properly handled. People are not just all of a sudden going to go, hey, it's okay. It was COVID. And we only had four players. I mean, like, you only had – Right, you know, he only had four players because clearly something was amiss. You know, most of the time when these situations happen, there's a coaching change. There's a coaching change. So if there's not going to be a coaching change, we're saying, okay, you're still the guy, kind of, you know, the old kind of tiger changes stripes. You know. That's the story we get to watch play out, right? Like, John, and John's kind of an old school guy. Like, it, and it's not like a Bob Knight, you know, mentally uh, and physically assault you, but that's kind of his co- coaching philosophy. It's very rigid, it's very precise, it's very detailed, and he, he wants everything done a certain specific way. That might not work anymore. You might you might have to find a way to adopt. And you can adapt. you can do that. I mean, I, but you have to be able. But it to, has to be nuanced. It has to be layered. It ha- you have to like, you know, uh, look at look at Huggins and Mick, man. They were, they, they were maniacs on the sideline, in plenty of occasions, and I'm sure their players, in plenty of occasions, did not like them and thought about transferring or wanted to transfer, but they had, and this again, is a direct reflection of the COVID area, but they had equity in trust. And for whatever reason, this group did not trust him anymore and just did not want to be basketball players here anymore. So you now have to build this trust up with a bunch of new guys. Yeah. And that's hard, because especially if they're transfers, because you know, transfers are coming in looking to play and and they're not looking to, depending on what year they are, obviously if you're a freshman coming in, you maybe have a little more understanding than a, than a grad transfer or whatever. But like you're cobbling together again, another huge group of new players and having to build that trust with them knowing even like they've, they're going to come here but they're still going to know in the back of their mind what's what's already happened. Yeah. So you have to prove to them that that those guys, you know, you have to prove to them that those guys were wrong, and I'm, you know, and I'm I'm not what they're making me out to be. That's the challenge at hand, without question. That is the challenge at hand. Like, I, and the the crazy thing is here, like. I know we have to uh, assign blame. Everybody has to, to be right. And everybody, somebody has to be right. Somebody has to be wrong. I, I don't know that there's like 
other than John is responsible for what happens in his program, like we don't have some big glaring incident that's like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Right. But what we have is a collection of smaller things that you have to figure out a way to like not, not allow to happen, not allow to fester inside your program anymore. How much of that has changed with, without COVID? We don't know. Like what we know, he didn't have a mass exodus of, of players at the end of last year. So clearly something was different there, right? Now, was right. that the winning? Like, did the, did the winning solve that? Um, I, the whole thing just puts everybody in a tough spot going forward. And that's it's unfortunate because you would like to think heading into year three, that you're starting to get to a stable ground with a foundation and a couple layers of things to build upon. Right. Like I could totally see like, okay, we have these guys coming back, these young guys coming back. Plus, you know, Jeremiah, da- Jeremiah Davenport, Micah, you know, and we can, we can add a couple freshmen and then we can get, we can, be more selective with our filling out this right. Even though you'd still be bringing in a bigger group of kids, you could be much more selective because you know you have stuff you can count on. Like right now, you got, I mean, you have two guys, three guys that you feel comfortable with. Other than that, you have, you can't count on anything. So you're like, it, it makes, what you're trying to bring in a lot harder because yeah, you've complicated the process. I think that's where people are probably rightfully fans are rightfully concerned because it it is going to be harder. Like that's, that's not hyperbole. That's not guesswork. That is people are going to be using this against you. There is no chance that they're going to go through recruiting and not have to deal with this. No, no. Like, this is what a lot of programs thrive on. <laughs> it's not come here because we're great. It's don't go there because they suck. Like digging your way out of this is, is, is not an easy task. And he's not, it's not going to be an extended, like you got a whole bunch of time to work your way through it. Right. Well, like thing too, like you've, Unfortunately, and and this is not a UC thing. This is a thing anywhere where a previous coach has been there for a long time with a level of success. There were already people, just like there were people that didn't like Mick because he went to coach for Patino or or whatever. There were people that didn't want to, you know, didn't want to necessarily support John. Well, just, you know, it just happened. So you already didn't you those people already were lurking in the whole like you know waiting for the other shoe to drop. So you didn't yeah. really have a good hold of them to begin with. Right. Now you have people that were supporting you but just from a strictly basketball sense are wondering okay like what's going on? Like we're yes this was this weird crazy year but like these dudes left. So we're kind of like, 
we're rebuilding the rebuild. You know, it's rebuild 2.0. Yeah. So, so those people might still be with, but with you, but they're, they're, you know, they're not exactly two foot in. And then you have fans that look at all of this and are just put off by the reports, the stories, the sources, you know, hundred percent true, 50% true. 20, you know, it doesn't matter. They're just put off by like, I don't like this type of, you know, mentality, personality, whatever, coaching my team. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be, I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen anything really like this because like we said, most of the times there's a new coach. So you just right. like wipe, wipe your hands and you totally start fresh. You don't have a coach coming back, you know, trying to rebuild a roster and trying to, you know, reach out in whatever sense that they can to a fan base and, and basically say like, this isn't me. Or if this was me, I'm so, so sorry. I did not see this happening. I'm going to do whatever I can to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen again. I mean, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. It's fat. I mean, it's from my standpoint, it's just fascinating to see how this unfolds because I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. You and me both. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks because I, I think if you, you know, if we get to the point where we're, we're three weeks in and they're struggling to get transfers with, a ton of roster spots and playing time like there for the taking. Right. Then it's going to be evident how much damage this did, or it yeah. could be the, the flip side and they've landed two or three quality guys. And now the and roster's they, back up in that eight, nine, 10 range. And kids don't care. I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on. I don't really, right. you know, what, whatever happened, happened. I want to go over there and play like, yeah. You know, I, you could really you could see both things happen. It's the, but but we don't have any inclination either way. No. So no. we're gonna have to. And watch you can it. only take it. You know, like you, uh, you know, you can only view it as what it currently is. Yeah. So you know, I don't want to. You know, I'm sure people in the past have looked at me as like the pessimistic and and that was more from just a basketball standpoint like and there's no one no way did I ever think that anything like this was was gonna <laughs> right. happen so it's not like I you know hope that the whole program would crater or something no it's not it at all but like you can only view it in what the situation is now and that can obviously change but like you know just looking at it right now it's it's concerning to say the least yeah and i mean that's look before we we move over to football just to, to reiterate like this is the era of player empowerment they have the power now it has shifted to more of the pro sports model but without the contracts so there's no levels for young guys to get to free agency, right? Like you don't get drafted, sign a four-year deal, and, and you can figure it, you know, what your next move is in four years. It's not how it works. You you have to recruit and stay on top of these guys at all times and make sure your relationships are solid. 
And oh, if yeah. you don't know, if you don't know they're solid, then they're not. Then they're not. Right. Like if you have to like, ask whether they're solid or not, they're probably not. And is that going to piss off a lot of people that, that are used to college sports being a certain way? Probably. Is it going to turn a lot of people off from college sports that look at it and say, this isn't why I watch? Probably. That's something that college sports itself has to deal with. But it's, it's something that in the now, in the now, coaches have to adjust. Because it is college sports for the longest time has been a coach's game, right? Oh, yeah. In college basketball, you know the coaches way more than you. College football. Then you know the players. I think it's even more the case in college basketball. Like outside of outside of your like special, special teams, like you know the coaches and their personalities and everything. I feel like way more than you know the know the individual players and whatnot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm just saying it's it's college football and college basketball. Oh, it's both, they, they, for sure. Both have been coach driven. That era, is, that era is at the end of the road. The the, the the tracks have shifted. So you have to, as a coach, be ready to shift with it. You got to figure it out like that. It might not be your style. It might not be the way you do things. But if it if it continues to not be the way you do things, you're not long for this business now. The good, that, that's the good just ones, the reality. The good ones will figure it out. Yeah. And I don't want you know, and I don't. I'm not pit, pitting the two against each other, but like, just look at. I mean, the way that Luke and all those guys handled the pandemic, and their pauses, and the buy-in. And and I know that that's different when you have been there. So for, much different. You've been there for four years. You got a bunch more guys. You got more coaches. You've but established like, relationships. But the but there were football programs that probably had very similar things go on as UC's basketball program. Yeah. I think the bigger the the more thing I'm pointing to is just like they were as malleable as I think they could be and adjusted on the fly and did. Yeah, you know whether it was the, the, you know the racial injustice stuff and getting players, you know, out and you know allowing players to get out and, and talk, and obviously that was during the off season, so it's a little bit easier. But like the way they just handled everything just seemed like more of like you said, like you either figure it out or guys are going to leave and go someplace where that staff has figured it out. Or they think that staff has figured right. it out. <laughs> you don't know until you're there. Trust me. Sure, but I mean, but you know what I mean. Like they're gonna then they're gonna go try to find that. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a whole lot else on it. Like I. I you adjust or you, or you don't. Like or you die on the vine, and that's where that's where the thing is at right now. Like you're there's gonna have to be adjustments made because. Yeah, there's going to have to be because if you just well, go through this and here, think that it was like, oh, it's all their fault. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and that that's going to change anything. Well, here's here's going to work. Here's the thing. You're going to be asked about all this in recruiting calls. Like, why, why, why are you not what this article says you are? Why are you not what this situation says you are? 
And when you explain why, let me talk for a damn minute, Dave. Jesus. Sorry, And when you explain why you're not that, you're going to have to live it, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's the crux of this all. Because if you try to pass it off as the kids, they're going to be like, this guy is just blaming the kids. Right. So he's going to blame me. Right. If I don't do what, you know, he thinks I'm supposed to, then I'll just be like them. They'll just blame me. So you, if you blame the kids, they're not coming to play for you. And then, so you have to, you know, show that these are the way the things that I'm changing so this doesn't happen again. Right. So I think that's, I think that's about it. You got anything else on this? On this? No, I, I think I would like this to, you know, hopefully cycle, be, move the news cycle, hopefully be put to bed. When's the last time we had something that lasted for like four days in the news cycle? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Luke in Michigan State, like I, that's they, the last. I mean, what the hell is the football program doing? They couldn't get a damn commit this week. I called and asked. I requested a commit this week. I mean, what do we got to do to get a you seen red or you seen black? Like, help us out, guys. <laughs> I, I seriously called and asked. <laughs> like i'm sure you got some kid that's planning on committing in the next week or two you couldn't just ask him to do it this week sincere request is, please is wichita State going to blow this game i'm sure they are i mean it's a doozy 42 39 with seven minutes to go it was 21 to 20 at halftime yeah <laughs> <sighs> All right, spring football, Dave. Unfortunately, oh, that, I don't is know that how... what I was here to talk about. Yeah, let's get to that. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't know how much I'm going to get to see. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's a bummer. We uh, no media in the bubble, which is not a surprise. Um, that was going to be the case last year. They they weren't in the you know once the bubble went up, the season was pretty much almost over. Um. When they're at Nippert Stadium, I will get to be there. So that's good news. There will be some practices I get to see. Here's the problem. They practice in the morning. And in March, generally, the temperatures in the morning are not let's go outside temperatures. <laughs> well, let's see here. Saturday. Are they practicing this Saturday? Yeah, 9 a.m. Yeah, 9 a.m., 32 degrees. Oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> well, in next Saturday or next week, all sixties. But what are the lows? That's that's where the problem. Right. Well, but for in the forties, okay. high forties. But but seven day rain. forecast rain. So you could be in the bubble, and that's as far as ahead as I can look. But that could change. Obviously, we know that. Well, and it, it also like if there's rain in the afternoon and they're practicing in the morning, the rain's not going to be there till two o'clock, and they can practice until eleven. So fingers crossed for next week. Uh, tomorrow is probably a no. Is definitely a no. Saturday is probably a no, which I don't hate because those are the days where they don't have pads because they yeah, have the to first, have three days. The first few days are not, you know, we want to be out there because it's, we want to just, you know, watch the football, but it's not. Uh, but there's not much to report on. There's not much, you know. Right. Going on. The, the the biggest thing out of those days is like getting a depth chart. 
getting who's out there the first snaps of the spring. Uh, and we probably won't get that. So that's unfortunate. But um, what, what, do you, what, what do you want to – we had – okay, so let, let's do this. We had an article that was you, that was going to trash the questions that I sent you the other night. I haven't had time to do anything. <laughs> really? Why? I I'm almost to the point. I think my new phone is defective because this battery stinks in relation to how much I've been on the phone the past three days. Take it back. No, I know it's like they're going to look at it and go, hey, dumbass, you've been on the phone like 45 minutes every hour in the 15 minutes you're not on a call you're texting and then 15 of the minutes you are on calls you are also texting like it's not us it's you um so let's go through the questions do you want to ask them since they were from you uh i don't have them in front of me okay no uh Dave Simone says, new defensive coordinator, same black cats, all eyes on Mike Trestle and how he builds on what Freeman did, plus how multiple is multiple. I mean, that's the deep for defense. That's the by far the largest question. I got one right. Good job, me. Three man front, four man front, two linebackers. Like, do we agree? I don't think we're going to see many four defensive back sets. Why would you do that? No. So the question becomes four, four defensive linemen or three linebackers? Or do you go three defensive linemen and three linebackers, four defensive linemen, two linebackers? Like, how do you, how do I mean, you adjust that? It's impossible. Like, every time you say – well, yeah, they should do this. You can go, well, then are you going to take this person off the field? Right. And then if you say, well, no, I don't want to do that. Well, then, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, then you're not going to put this person on the field? No, I, they got to be on the field. So, I mean, it's like, that's why I said, like, how multiple is multiple? Like, apparently it's going to be real damn multiple because you got a shit ton of guys that are going to want to play and they can't all play the 4-3 and they can't all play the 3-3-5. Three, three, so, I mean... To me, to me, your best positions are defensive line and the defensive backfield. So I would play a lot of four-two-five and a lot of three-three-five. I, I don't know how. Look, from what we saw from the picture of Jawan Briggs, maybe maybe he's just an unbelievable. But do you see him as a, a knockback five technique end? No, he's not a five. Te- he's a he's a d tackle or a shade nose one take yeah. zero shaded or a d tackle he's not or in the a, three three five he's a three tag or the, the the middle right the, three, three, five. The, you know the nose whatever. yeah um how with with him brooks brown taylor phillips how do you not have two tackles on the field two nose tackles on the field <laughs> I mean, that, it's almost impossible, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're running it like you would a a, a prototypical NFL four man front. You have your nose, and then you have your three technique. You have your right. for the locals. You have your DJ reader and your 
what used to be Gino Ankins and will now be Larry Ogunjobi. You have your big fat ass that takes up two blocks and you have your not as fat ass who can beat one-on-ones and put pressure on the quarterback up the middle. I, I just don't know how you only play with four, three defensive linemen in this, in, with, with this roster. I mean, Malik Van's going to be on the field. We know MyJ Sanders is going to be on the field as many snaps as his body will allow, right? Yeah, as many snaps as they feel they're getting optimal, you know, play. Right. That's what I mean by as yeah. many snaps as his body will allow him to play at the highest level. I don't know. Maybe you look at Brooks, like maybe this is the solution. You see if Brooks can be that knockback five. And then you have a rotation of Brown and, and Briggs in the middle. And they looked at Brooks at some uh, as that, that guy behind Ponder when Ponder I got hurt. I just don't see the, I don't know. I don't see the, the rush. Like he, I feel like he rushes better from the interior and you're maybe a little exposed on the edge there from a, from like a quickness and setting the edge standpoint against these teams that they, that they, but we, we feared that with Ponder too, when they moved him out there. I don't, I not, I don't know if we did as, as much though. I mean, cause he was, you know, his whole thing was always, he, you know, was a little, you know, undersized. So it made sense to play him, there in a three-man front I don't know I mean that's that's why it was question number one I just there's so many there's so many lineups and scenarios that I'm sure they're going to be tinkering with all of them to see what works and what doesn't I just would you know I just love to see what what those even look like Yeah, sorry about that. I, I hit mute for a second. Yeah, I, I do too. I, that's why I'm. That, that's why it stinks that we're not going to get to see as much as we want. Hopefully, as we get into like late March, early April, we have a lot more of those 45, 50 degree mornings uh, that allow us to get into Nippert Stadium and and watch this team practice. Because, man, that it's so fascinating how many. This is like uh, this is first world problems, right? There's. There's too many good play. There's more than 11 good players that we need on the field on defense. When when has that ever been the case at Cincinnati? Not uh, not ever. And you're talking up to like 15, 20. Oh yeah. It's it's insanity that like and I said this with Mo today like you all of a sudden start to realize what life is like at a place, sugar bowl or peach bowl example, Georgia that has guys opting out and they just cycle in another stud. And it doesn't really matter because that stud's just the next guy that's going to be drafted in two years. Um, are we to the point where all of these guys are going to be drafted? No, probably not. But in terms of effectiveness and how they fit here and, and their ability to like, to be an impact player, there's a whole lot more than 11 wearing black and, and, and playing for Mike Tressel. Yeah, there's – it's going to be fun to watch. 
Question two from Dave Simone. On the edge, how do the replacements for Hudson and Harper look going up against one of the best defensive lines in the nation? That, you know, that's that's job one. That is a bigger question than your question number one. Your question number one is probably the most interesting question. Right. It's not the most like, important question yeah. is, is number two. What's going to happen at tackle? I, I think Dylan O'Quinn can be good at tackle. Um, I think he can be a very good college tackle. I think it's important to remember for Dylan Quinn. Uh, he was technically a tight end in high school, but everybody that watched him basically said he's just their third tackle. Like what Shane Kenny, I, I, that was the Shane Kenny era, I believe. Yeah. Shane went and watched him and said he had nine pancakes as a tight end in a high school game. <laughs> right. <laughs> So he is familiar with, with being outside. Um, I know they loved him as a guard. They felt like he was the best guard on the roster. He also translates of the guards that they have in-house to the best tackle uh, option. What I'm going to be interested in, do we see him at left and you lead John Williams at right where you had him basically practicing all year last year as the second team right tackle? Um, because see, I, th- I've, I view them as flip-flopped. Like I view Dylan as like that big road grading right tackle that you run. But that's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm asking yeah. do you put him at left because Williams is young and he practiced at right last no, year. I move Williams to left because he's young and okay. has time to learn the position. And I, and I just feel like, O'Quinn's game is more suited to be that power, that strong side power running right tackle than than your left. Now, that all could go out the window because some guys, their footwork just makes more sense from one side or another. Their hand placement, when they're putting their hand down on the ground, they're slower or quicker getting out of their three-point stance from the left or right. So... I mean, I could say, like, yeah, put Dylan on the right, but he could get over there and be like, this feels like a foreign language to me. I feel much more comfortable on the left. So you're always going to put the guy where he feels the most comfortable. But, I mean, if, if all things are equal, to me, I'm putting him on the right and and having Williams transition over to the left. And then you have uh, James Tunstall, not related to Laramie Tunstall, um, just so we're all have still we, clear on that one. Have we fact-checked? Fact check that one. I did fact check that one. Okay, good. I have fact checked that one. Um, I, I I'm I'm very interested to see him because we've you know we've talked to Brady on the BVP. He has been very high on um, his prospects since he got here. He's been good in the weight room. Uh, he's been good with the guys. He, he looks to be as athletic as you want for that left tackle spot. Um, he's, I mean, he's definitely the wild card here. And you now then you wonder is, are there any young guys that are going to step up and, and make a run at it as well? But those seem like the three main names. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, you just never know. Like, you know, you bring in a guy like Dino Boyd from Rhode Island and he fits who's, in. 
who who's one of the like, best left tackles we've had se- seamlessly. <laughs> but you know, you could bring in this guy, and he just can't handle the the game at this level. You just don't know. And I don't know if we'll yep. even necessarily get a good look of that in the spring because in spring practice will be the best defensive line he'll play all year. It's better than Notre Dame. It's better than Indiana. It's certainly better than anybody in the conference. Yeah. So if he struggles against his teammates, that's not necessarily representative of how he will do or how whoever's playing right tackle will do in the season. It's just interesting to see if they like acquit themselves well, then you feel super confident. Or if it's an abject disaster, you're like, okay, this doesn't matter that the defense is good. These guys stink. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, question number three from Dave Simone. Queen City King. I was pretty proud of that headline, by the way. It's pretty good. Crater is now one snap away. Is he ready? Uh, Right now, I would say no. (laughs) Is he? The question is, Will being the number two guy get him ready by August? And that is another million-dollar question because the security blanket is gone. Ben Bryan is not walking back through that door. And Dez has been, for a guy that, that runs a lot, he has been pretty durable. But one snap away is one snap away. And Evan Prater is now one snap away and uh it is it is a critical spring and summer for the queen city king that has some ring to it did i start all right i'm I'm gonna put this out there because we're doing the name image and likeness stuff it's going to become a thing yeah montgomery in ribs king evan prater queen city king there's your first name your first NIL NIL endorsement and I get a percentage of it for coming up with it. Free ribs. That would probably, probably be better. Not getting- Money would probably be better. It would be better for my waistline, that's for sure. <laughs> but I mean, that's this kind they, of that's they, the kind of stuff we're talking about though. Like Yeah, it is. And I'm You're all really for proud it. of yourself for that. I'm one. all for it. Guys should be able to I mean I should be able to profit off that. That'd be fun. Queen City King. Probably probably a year away from finding out if that's true or not. But how he handles himself. We, I hope we don't see him but mop-up duties against Miami, Ohio and the like. Against most of the conference this year, looking at that's, the schedule. That's true. That's true. Um, how he handles himself in the, in the spring – and into and through summer workouts heading into camp is massive. He's got to be ready. He's, he's, he's got to be, I mean, Drake is just, every time I look over, they're hitting a three right now. That was like a fadeaway 15. Oh, here comes out Terry Gilbert. What do you know? He missed. <laughs> How many times have we seen that over the last four years? 30 seconds, 40, 50 seconds left in the game. He pulls up from three with 30 seconds left on the shot clock. Down four. Yeesh. That's uh, Al-Tariq and Al-Tariq right there. 
what I said the other day. I was like, that's the most confident I was all game when I saw he wasn't, <laughs> pass, he wasn't passing the ball to ETN. I was like, he ain't making this. <laughs> um, what do you, do you think he's going to be ready? Do you think he gets there? I mean, I don't think there's any way in hell you could say that he would be ready. Um, Des was called on as a redshirt freshman. He was ready. Right, but the offense then to now is totally different. That was offense was tailored to Mike Warren, yeah. Around not necessarily having a, you know, dynamic quarterback and, uh, you know, slinging it around or putting up 40 points a game. Like, you put him in here with this group, yeah, you can, you know, rein it in a little bit, but – I just want to know. I just want to see that there are, because I don't expect him to. To honestly, I don't expect him to wow in spring practice. But I just want to know that there's moments. Don't either. Moments where you're like, oh yeah, this he gets it, or there's drives, or not drives, but like periods where he's just like he's against the ones and they can't stop him, and maybe he sucked all practice before that. But you have that one period where it's like, okay, you're against the ones with the twos or whatever. And he just, you know, they dial it up. And that's all I'm more like looking for because I don't expect him to, to show us that like, oh yeah, he can go in and, you know, we won't miss a beat. Like, I don't right. Think that, I don't think that's He's not there yet. No, you just, I mean, if you're, if you're back up, your backup quarterback, your backup quarterback for a reason, if they have to play, you hope it's for, a series or a get or a quarter or a game or at the most like two games. And you just want to have the confidence that he's not going to be the reason that we lose. Like you don't have to be like, and that's the beauty of this team. If he has to play, he doesn't have to be the reason that they win. Right. Just can't be the reason they so lose. Just not So just be competent enough to not be the reason that they lose. And I'm right. cool with that this year. Step by step, the offense took big strides from 2019. How do they come more explosive and become even more lethal? Uh, one, I, a full year of Alec Pierce, right? This offense was completely different when uh, I think in terms of just a, being a threat when Pierce was on the boundary and taking and being able to stretch an opponent's defense. It just the threat of that made them da- much more dangerous. Um, I think an, a, a year two of Michael Young is going to be outstanding. Big Michael Young guy. Uh, I, I thought he really added an element that they've been missing in the fickle era as that number two guy. I think Jordan Jones can give them uh, more looks this year than we saw from him last year. I liked what I saw out of Jordan Jones. Oh yeah, when when he was used. Um. Um. And the big question, I guess, is going to be what 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 do you get in the slot, right? Because Jay Sean's gone. That's really the one place that you're uh, replacing somebody. You've got guys. You've got Trey Tucker. You've got. Tyler Scott, who I think can be an inside or outside guy. You can 
I think him and, you know, my, Michael Young can move in and play in the slot if necessary. Um, I want to see Pierce and Young on the outside with Josh and Lenny in the slot. Well, it would be probably more Lenny in line and Josh no, in the slot. both in the slot, like four wide, but the two interior guys are tight ends. Okay. Because yeah. how, how are you covering that? Yeah. Yeah. It's valid. It's valid. I, I think a name we're, we're going to get to know, I hope a little bit in the spring is Marquez Bell. I, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of promising talk about Marquez Bell going through uh, the season last year. And, and I think he has a chance to carry that over and be a guy that pushes pushes for the field pushes for to have an impact uh in the slot so and i'm looking that, that's from like a you know i'm not even necessarily talking from a personnel standpoint i'm interested to see from a a, a play sequencing standpoint a formation standpoint do we see anything different do we see a, an expanded ver- i mean you now have a third year starter quarterback you have all your skill guys i mean fourth year really yeah you have your all pretty much all your skill guys back like are we in spring i mean these are spring ball questions are we seeing new formations new you know play sequencing like i would like and i always love to talk to denbrock just about how you come up with a game plan how you introduce how you introduce new new plays, new formations, like what makes sense? What, like the stuff that I think of, would you just laugh about? Um, you know, the, that's the spring is the time to do that. And you have a veteran group. So, you know, it's not going to be too much for them to try things out. So that's kind of my, the thing I would be interested in seeing. Yeah. Well, will Mike Denbrock dip, dip even farther into his bag? And, and what's what's in the bag? If they do these Saturday practices and I can come, I'm going to bring just a ton of play sheets and be like, here, run this, <laughs> run that, run, run this. I've been working. I've been working on this. You're funny. Uh, one more. He probably would, though. That's the thing. Knowing Denver in spring ball, he'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll give this one a shot. <laughs> For the brand. Mason Fletcher must replace a legend. Can he rake? Uh, I would, I would 100% settle for freshman year. James Smith. If you don't remember freshman year, James Smith was not a huge leg, right? Freshman year. James Smith was a metronome 43 yards, fair catch every time. You knew exactly where the ball was going to go when it came off his foot. You know exactly where it was going to land. The coverage team was always there, and the defense came on the field. I would take freshman year James Smith, who just so happened to be the first-team all-AAC punter as a freshman. Uh, I would take that 10 times out of 10. Oh, yeah. So if you remember, if you go back to that year, he didn't have many big kicks. It was every kick, end over end, 43 yards, fair catch. Like, it, it just, it, I'm repeating it because that's how often he repeated it over and over and over again. So I, I would, uh, I would take that. I, the, how about 
what is a junior year Cole Smith? How many how many years has he been here? It feels like forever Cole Smith has been here. For sure. I mean, I place kicking is like where are we at? Because I think, and, and hopefully this isn't really even much of a con- concern through the regular season next year. I think there were decisions impacted last year because Luke wasn't confident that that Cole was reliable from 40 plus. Altry Gilbert missed the three to win the game. Weird. How did they get the ball back? Was it missed? Did they miss a free throw? They missed the front end of the one and one. And it didn't get to Etienne again? Oh, no, eight seconds. How do you not get it to Etienne? Because you have Altry Gilbert. Who does not pass the ball to anybody in crunch situations? We've known this for how many years? <laughs> Eight seconds. And you don't get it to Etienne for the game winner. I'd get it to Dexter Dennis before I got it to Altari Gilbert. Glad I didn't wasn't able to get I wanted to bet on Wichita State. <laughs> Glad I didn't. No. No, God, no. Drake had their two best players didn't even play. This is this was Lock City, man. Wichita State lost to Cincinnati in the American <laughs> Conference semifinals. But I, what I, this is what I, I said about that game earlier. The only reason I, I wouldn't pick Wichita State today, Cincinnati for, what, 90 seconds tried to give that game to Wichita State? And Wichita State was like, now nah, we're good. He also pulled it from like 30. With The clock three, didn't even go off until the ball th- was on the rim. Right. He At pulled the end's it, right there. He pulled it from like 30 with three seconds to go, and they're down one. They all knew it, too, and it was in the air. They're showing the players in the stands as soon as the ball went in the air from Gilbert. They all, like, their heads dropped. They knew that wasn't going to go. Etienne was right there. 14 years. What a hell of a career for Altari Gilbert. Is, is, he can come back. This was no. a free oh, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wasn't he recruited by Jim Calhoun? <laughs> no, he was probably illegally recruited by Kevin Ollie while Jim Calhoun was the coach. Jeez. Yeah, he can come back. Where else is he going to go? That's true. Chucking up 30-footers with four seconds on the the clock somewhere in Istanbul. Oh, all right. You got got any more football stuff? Anything else? We handled Uh, your five five questions and and donned Evan Prater, the Queen City King. Queen City King. Uh, No, I don't – I mean – I don't really think the, the beauty of it is that Brett Brent did a really good job today with the article he put up. And then last week we had all of our questions answered by Luke Fickle. Yeah. Like <laughs> the questions have been addressed. So yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot more at this point. I think I'm pretty good. Um do we have any kind of you know going? I don't know. Do we do we have any recruiting stuff to talk about from a football standpoint? I don't think we do. It's kind of been a little quiet. I know I put up the 
what I felt was kind of the primary target list going forward. Yeah, that's that's the primary primary nine, target list. Nine commits currently. I think there's 18 players now on that list. So do the math. You probably get around half of those guys, maybe a little bit more. Kobe McAllister enters the portal. There's another one open. There's I mean, always look. We're, we're at 17 or 18 I right guarantee now. One, someone is going to look at the depth chart after spring ball. Oh, three, four, usually. I mean, so we're he- we're on our way to 25. It might end at like 22, 23, or whatever, but we're on our way to 25. Yeah, with three transfers. Two or three transfers. This is why I always crack up every time in, you know, January when I talk to somebody and they're like, man, I think we're going to, we're only going to have like 12 spots this year. Somebody that that does this, like I'm looking at the numbers, man. We're only going to have like 12 spots this year. It's going to, it's going to be a small class. Tight. It's going to be tight. That has been said to me, Dave. Every year I've since 2016 when I took over for Tim, every year I've done this. And I know Tim used to tell me that when I would ask him, what do the numbers look like? The numbers are all will always be there. The numbers will always work themselves out. That's just how this business goes. So yeah. Um, nothing, nothing, you know, jumping out at me. Uh that, that anything's imminent. Are there any, um, I know where, yesterday, yesterday was a big day. Yesterday, I believe I heard a rumor when I was out at a restaurant for lunch that yesterday was Alex Safari day. People were talking, Alex Safari day. People were talking about this in blue ash. <laughs> Alex Safari day was yesterday. Uh, they gave him a quote unquote proclamation to the city. Did he return the proclamation? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> a uh, commitment? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. But that definitely was a big day for uh, for Alex Safari and the and the staff. Can you hear my dog? I'm going to go downstairs and throw him in the back, like with the cows. No, I mean, not really. Oh my god, he's the most mouthy puppy I've ever been around. He just so- barks at you constantly. Are we are we going to get the dead period lifted? Is that a thing? I think by June first that it's it's there will be uh, players back on campuses. I think that is uh, that is the direction we're heading. I, like I, I, I I haven't got the sense that like official visits and things of that sort will be uh, will be will be included yet, but I do think unofficial visits. Uh, will happen, and camps look like they should happen in June. From a from a basketball standpoint, I know we are. You know the season feels the season just ended Sunday. It feels like it's <laughs> been a month. It's been the longest fucking week I've ever experienced. And uh, obviously, I mean, kids are entering the portal. You know, every five minutes, so it seems it's like sixty a day right now. Is there? You know, we see the tweets of, you know, is it too early to even, like, say, like, this player or that player is someone to yeah. keep an eye on? Because there's just for, so for many right, guys in it. Yeah. And, and will continue to be in it. You're not going to, well, like, 
mean, it's a little bit different for us because you could technically be like going after kids hard right now while other schools can't because you're like, I got all these spots. Like, it's not going to matter to me if in a month a bunch more kids enter the portal because I'll still have some spots. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think you'll really start because right now what's going on, and, and this is an adjustment for me too, because this is unlike, you know, anything we've ever experienced. Like even last year, last year was just, last year was chaos because nobody knew what the hell was going on. Right. There was no like understanding of all this. There was no, um, ability to like get your head around what was happening and how to deal with it. I think we're in a little bit better place on that front now. Like, had you even heard of zoom one year ago today? I'm sorry. What? I said, you had you even heard of zoom one year ago today? Oh no. I was still working in my office and yeah. Right. So I think right now is a part of the process where unless you had somebody that like, you knew was coming, right? Like we know this guy's transferring and he wants to come here. We can get it wrapped up quickly. Um, most of this period right now is going to be guys setting up zoom calls with as many schools as they can. Cause it like the difference now is it, it used to be, you know, you were setting up visits at this point and taking two, three days out of your schedule to go visit somewhere. It's a pretty like, a pretty large commitment right oh yeah taking an hour taking an hour to zoom with as many schools as possible you're hearing a lot more pitches which which puts a, it creates a lot more noise in the process right so i think you're going to see kind of a, a sorting process this week where kids are getting on zooms with as many staffs as they can that have that have reached out figuring out what's going on and then going from there um so I would guess it's probably, we're still probably a week, maybe two weeks away from starting to see the, the portal produce fruit uh, for the most part. Like you're seeing, you're seeing the random apple fall from the tree right now, but with as many kids as, as are in the portal, you're about to get bushels. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're probably a week, maybe 10 days away from that, that really starting to like accelerate um but that's not to say that there's not things that happened before then because there's going to be because every situation is different that's just an, an overarching like that's where i think we are kind of at the moment deal right and i didn't expect there to be like some no 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 list, i just wanted to explain like of, you know i just wanted to explain kind of like my understanding of how this is going to play out like what timetables look like and you know how many kids you're gonna you're also gonna have a lot of kids dave that say look okay june 1st that's when we're allowed to go check places out so i'm not doing anything until june yeah i don't think there's gonna be a lot of those kids but i think you are gonna see kids fall in that category of like i'm gonna go see where i'm going before i get there I mean, if, you know, I certainly would uh, recommend doing that, especially if you're, you know, a player that is sought after. In high demand, yeah. Like, 
Like, if you want me bad enough, you'll wait till I figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the, uh, Samuel Jackson, then hold on to your butts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we go. It's, Here uh, we go. It's, it's going to be, be a wild ride. I mean, yeah. you still got you got sixty-seven teams that their transfers haven't even uh, started yet. I mean, theoretically, I mean, if there's going to be fifteen hundred to two, if you know, the pre- I don't know who's coming up with these projections and how they're. Just ba- based on past numbers and like where right. the current rate so if is. There's 1,500 to 2,000 kids going to be in the transfer portal from Division One. That means, on average, every team that's in the tournament will have at least like two. Yeah. No, they might not, but so that means somebody else is going to have four or five. Right. There will be 150 kids playing in the tournament or on teams in the tournament that end up in the portal. Like, right. book it minimum. Book it. Book it. That was a bad. Why did I say that? I know. That was bad. I don't don't know where that came from. (laughs) Because it's almost nine o'clock and we're loopy and we do this every. This is like one of the shorter podcasts we've had. Yeah, things have been getting long. We're supposed to be time stamping these now. Are you going to time stamp them for us? I thought that's what. Aaron's job was. Are we going to have to invite Aaron on on Thursday? No, he just has stamp? to listen to it and timestamp it. <laughs> he I mean, does he it could, live. He could come on. He does and, it live for the BBP. Yeah, I mean, he could come on and listen. He not, doesn't get to say anything. <laughs> he has his own podcast. <laughs> the timestamp, the, the st- court stenographer doesn't get to talk in court. <laughs> Oh, that's outstanding. I think that's a great way to end. That's a great way to end. Uh, Wichita stays out of the tournament. The, the AAC is a, a one-bid league. <laughs> All right. What did I say at the beginning of the year? Are we closer to a one-bid league than a, what, a some number league? And I was... Four, yeah. I was, I was chastised for even thinking that this could be a one-bid league. It's a one-and-a-half-bid league. Because Wichita State didn't make it to the to to, to tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, Dave. That was uh, was it, some some tough conversations in the beginning, but uh, I think ultimately we still had fun. That's yes. what we do here. All right, get to the Holy Grail. Third, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Watch the tournament. Drink some buckets of beer. Order a large barbecue chicken pizza for your party of 12, and uh, you'll be good to go. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.